everybody. This is Aram Milkomov, and we're back with yet another episode of the Product Innovation Series, uh, where experienced product leaders share their stories and life experiences on what it takes to ship a great quality product. Uh, today, I'm joined by Jerome Van Oet. I hope I said that correctly, uh, who is the CTO and co-founder of TechWolf, uh, which is a very technical company uh, in the very booming and exciting HR space. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the invite, Aaron. Did I, did I say the name correctly? I hope I didn't <laughs> screw that up. <laughs> well, it, it's close. It's uh, it's Jeroen, uh, but uh, a lot of people call me Jay if uh, that's just not their first language. All right, Jeroen. Okay, sorry about that. Um, cool. So the first question I have for you is um, really going to be a, about your journey uh, building a product at TechWolf, right? So I know from what um, we got from like a, a previous call with you that you start off as a really small team of engineers, scientists, primarily focusing on the code of the app, right? And um, over the next kind of three to four years, building out the company and the product, you started putting more customer journey, um, a focus towards the forefront of, of your product. So maybe let's start talking about that. So like, how did you start off the initial kind of product? Uh, and then we'll work our way up into like where it is now. Yeah, very good. Um, so TechWolf, what we got started, I think is uh, about five years ago that we first started working on the, the technology. So I met Mikkel and Andreas, my two co-founders uh, in, uh, in computer science at the Ghent University. Uh, and I mean, essentially, like, of course we, we really wanted to do something innovative. We wanted to start a, a company, but also we wanted to solve a problem that we were seeing uh, well, around ourselves. A lot of our friends, they were uh, essentially working in hospitality as a, as a student job. Um, and we always wondered, uh, well, why weren't they applying their uh, their more specific skills uh, to uh, to their student jobs? Uh, so we set out to uh, to solve this problem. I think being computer scientists, AI was a very obvious choice to, uh, to look at uh, to try and solve this problem. And sort of from there, um, along the way, we discovered that well, matching people with the right uh, well skill requirements, essentially, um, that this was a much bigger problem than just students and uh, student jobs. But of course, um, really looking at uh, well the broader economy, um, like having the right skills in the right place at the right time, um, is a is a key challenge for uh, well both inside companies and sort of between them. Um, so that's sort of the like the the root idea that we had. I would say like starting out as uh, as three uh, well computer scientists or not even computer scientists as we were still studying um like there's a lot that we learned along the way of course um i would say that from the very start um we were really technology focused and i think in the first uh, year or two maybe we were really focused on building a technology and uh, we sort of equated it to building a product um which i think down the line turned out not to be entirely true uh, because, uh, well, the, the product that we built in the first place or technology that we built in the first place, I would say was more of an expert AI toolbox. Uh, so you could do everything with it, uh, given that you were already an expert in sort of handling it, uh, which is great for our engineers. Like we still use this AI toolbox in well, all of our products. Uh, but at the same time, it was not really productized. It didn't speak the language of the customer. It wasn't uh, focused on solving the, like, the, the customer's problem so much as sort of the technical translation of that problem. Um, and we really learned from that point um, to, uh, well, to transition to much more of a, a customer-centric approach. Okay. And so when you created the first iteration or the first version of TechWolf, it was very much, you, you said, a very technology-focused kind of product. So was it, like, what was it missing? 
uh, was it solving like what you thought to be the problem um, you know uh, from a foundation level yeah I, I would say we really did hit sort of the, the core of the problem from from the technical side so that like the technology the core is still the same um, except we missed the layer around it uh, that we do now have uh, that translates this to sort of the domain of the uh, of the customer um, and I mean we're, we're in the enterprise space so we typically work with uh, large customers uh, it means the the setup you have is typically integrated it's relatively complex compared to a lot of uh, well consumer focused uh, applications uh, and it also means that um, well the the scope of your view of a, of a product um, it's not just uh, the the features you have in there it's not just um, the experience in actively using it but it's everything around there uh, and I think one of the the big steps that we took from a mental model um, essentially is really going from this idea of the product being the collection of its features and how they work together uh, to really having the full experience, including the onboarding, any uh, well, workshops that we give, any sort of tools we provide them uh, to use with the product, uh, because that's really what's setting the experience. Okay. And um, so just correct me if I'm wrong. So you, you launched the technical product, you rolled it out to some enterprise clients. How did you acquire those first initial enterprise clients? In order to start, uh, you know, using or being exposed to, uh, to the solution. Yeah, it's uh, like at the start, it's very tricky. I would say, as a, a students that have never worked in uh, in a big corporate, uh, to try and sell to them, it poses a, a couple of challenges for sure. Uh, we uh, well, we really went out and tried everything that we could, and it's um, like the, one of the the founders that I know. Um, he always says, "Well, the the trick is to be out there in the market." Uh, because then you get the feedback and you can, you know, you get to a point you can start to iterate. Uh, and that's really what we did. We were out there trying to get meetings, trying to get into every conversation that was relevant, uh, trying to sell, even if we weren't ready to sell to, to these companies yet, um, to really figure out how to sort of crack this, uh, uh, this tough problem. Um, and at some point, of course, uh, well, we got our first customers on board. And uh, well, then suddenly you have a reference case. Uh, you can start talking to other companies and say, well, well, we're doing this with these people, um, so maybe you want to do something similar, and that's really uh, where you can get the the ball rolling. Okay, and um, when was that kind of aha moment or the the eureka uh, bulb where you realized that you need to focus more on like the customer journey side? Um, you might have a good technology sound solution, but you're missing, you know, everything up to that point. So, like, was there something? that triggered this kind of like um, revelation? I would say it's getting more customers mostly. Uh, so TechWolf has always been, um, well, very technology focused. So we're an API first product, uh, very data focused. Uh, we, well, we don't have an, uh, a user interface that uh, that goes straight to employees. So like the, the, the number of direct users we have is quite limited, even though we impact a lot of people that do see a lot of the data that we uh, that we produce. Um, so it's not your typical setup for, uh, for a product. And I think that's also what created sort of a barrier to have the same, uh, well, user and, and customer focus there. Um, also combined with the fact that, uh, well, the, the skills data market is still relatively early, which means that while you're building mm -hmm. um, in a more visionary way, you're saying, we believe the world is moving to this point um, and we're building for the world well when it gets there um, and in the past couple of years we, we've seen that the world is actually moving there um, and moving there faster and faster so i think it's been a, the combination of getting uh, traction as a company but also the the idea of the skill-based organization and skill-based work really getting more traction in the market and that's really enabled us to 
help to have the right conversations to to put our stuff in practice um, and really um, well get the feedback that we that we needed to to start working in this more customer centric way. Okay. Uh just going back to that initial, you know, release of your product uh, that you had, the iteration, where did you go next after that? Like, how did you determine what the next feature items would be? Did you do any kind of discovery with like the, your early adopters to find out what like the gaps were? Just maybe explain that uh, journey you went through. Yeah, so the, the very first customers that we signed uh, were often after doing a proof of concept uh, with them because, well, again, in enterprise, uh, typically deals are a bit bigger, like people make uh, long time commitments to work with you as well. Um, so they want to be really sure before you get started, uh, unless, of course, they have well, more validation from uh, from other customers knowing that, uh, well, it, it, it's going to be fine anyway. But of course, for your first customer, uh, well, they want to kick the tires a little bit. Um, and from every sort of well, interaction we had with uh, with prospects, so doing the testings, rolling out with them. Um, well, often we learned there already uh, what potential gaps were. I think one of the tricky parts um, with uh, with doing this in enterprise and sort of this uh, more sparse scenario uh, where you have fewer customers is, of course, that um, well, you tend to overweight the feedback that you get from uh, the the couple of customers that you have initially, and you don't really have like the the option of having a data driven approach. So you really have to um, go out there and see well, you know based on this feedback we got from one or two customers, um, we're making this sort of uh, this assumption, but you actually have to validate uh, without having like 50 more customers to ask whether this is something that is a, a, something that generalizes to the population that you're selling to. Uh, and I think there, I mean, you always see that the, there, there's a drive to, uh, to build things that are specific to a single customer. So you have to take that step back and see how can we build something that will be valuable for all of our customers, uh, including the, the future ones. Um, and of course, sometimes you build something that ends up not being so generalizable. Uh, and sometimes you try to make something generic uh, for everyone and you actually just made a more complicated version of the very specific feature that someone asked for. But it's a learning process and I feel like, um, well, as you gain more customers, uh, it's just really important, uh, well, not to forget the, the value that you provide to those early customers. Make sure that they're along for the ride so that you can really focus on well, serving the, the bigger population. Of course. And it's a very interesting kind of uh, piece you, you just opened up for me. I want to ask a bit more questions. Is um, a lot of SaaS companies that I speak with, there's always that, especially in enterprise space, about like, you know, you get custom requests, very something niche, maybe focused to that, maybe that large client. And early days, um, when it comes to building a product, you got to pick, okay, like, do I discount that out from what they're telling me? Do I go validate it further to see if it's a larger need? What were some of like the main tactics or strategies that you used to kind of determine um, whether or not you should actually go build something, whether or not there would be the right kind of like interest or the ROI on that type of investment? Yeah, I think the, the first question is always, um, how important is this to the customer that's asking? Because, you know, when you have a thousand customers and someone asks for a feature that you don't want to build, well, you can afford to lose them if you have uh, well, four or five in the uh, in the early days. Uh, well, then, of course, it's a, it's a lot trickier because if someone asks for something and it's really important to them, uh, then it's just, well, it's a no-brainer to build it because it's just too important to you as a, as a company. Um, so sort of getting that um, that question out of the way, like, do we even have a choice in whether we surface uh, this request? Um, that's a, a pretty important one because it really sets the scene for what comes next. 
after that, I would say sort of looking into the rest of the market and seeing, is this something that we recognize elsewhere? Um, like, is the importance there um, similar? Like, is this a, a need that we just didn't consider before? Or is this something specific uh, to uh, to this customer um, is also an important one. And then, of course, well, especially in the early stage, also, you're very agile still in the, the way you approach the market. Um, like, you can turn this request into an opportunity as well, because if you find something um, unexpected that provides extra value uh, to a customer, uh, that's also something that you can use to uh, to further approach the market. Okay. Um, and so now what I want to ask is when you do any kind of new feature development uh, or considerations for like enhancements to roadmap, how do you go about determining what you should prioritize? Yeah, I would say for us, it's still... Um, largely sort of getting into a room with uh, with the stakeholders and really uh, mapping that out discussing this um in a, in a very human way uh, i think the the next step for us will also be to really get more of a consistent process there because as long as you sort of if, as long as you manage to get people into the same room to uh well to rank the priorities uh, you know you don't really need such a uh, like a rigorous uh, process there essentially you can just fight it out in the, in the meeting and agree on it together um as you sort of approach the point where you can no longer do that, or there's too many priorities to uh, to do that in a single room, um, then consistency and, and a, a good method there is key. Uh, but I find that the um, the lack of process can sometimes be a benefit as well, because um, if you're doing this in sort of a separate process uh, everywhere, like you can't just have people blindly executing on it. Like you have to over communicate. You have to make sure that everyone understands why decisions were made. And by just getting together into the same room uh, and having that discussion out there, even if it's maybe a little bit less efficient, um, you get the knowledge to everyone, which means that um, when time comes to actually change one of those priorities, people can actually say, well, I know that we were you know, trying to do this first to achieve this goal, but actually to achieve the very same goal, we now want to move this thing up. And I find that that's really, really helpful uh, to, to work together. Okay. And um, uh, in terms of uh, milestones, what, what would you say were some of your biggest milestones that you had achieved throughout, you know, um, the focus towards customer, uh, you know, thinking through customer, proper customer journeys? Yeah. Um, first one, I would say, uh, was getting our first customer. <laughs> it's a bit of, a, of an obvious one, uh, I would say, because uh, like before that, everything's just a theory. And then you suddenly start applying things. And well, if, if you're lucky or you did your homework well, then of course, a lot of the things that you thought were going to be the case are still going to be the case uh, with, with this customer. But really, um, going hands-on, uh, getting in there and, and applying the product uh, was a well, a key milestone for us. Um, and following that as well, like, uh, and, well, at some point we got a call from, uh, from uh, like our first customer and they said, um, well, you know, this one person got a, a new job um, thanks to, to your product. And, you know, they never would have had it otherwise. Like they would have just been unemployed uh, otherwise. And I felt like that was one of the most energizing moments in like all of TechWolf history uh, because uh, here was like a customer calling us and saying, this is an undeniable positive change in the world thanks to your product. And I think that's really a really important one because, well, as, as engineers, very often you're focused on solving the technical problem. And, you know, you even sort of have this typical thing with, with very tech focused people sometimes where you, you say, well, you know, the tech works, it's just them applying it wrong. Or, you know, if they're not getting the ROI from it, uh, that's nothing to do with the, the technology itself. 
Um, and we very much like to have the opposite attitude. And I think sort of the stories like that where, you know, you really remember fully that, you know, you're building this thing to make a change in the world. Um, that's a really important one for the uh, the customer-centric attitude and, and really focusing on impact rather than, than features. Um, and from there, I would say the next one was us really shifting to uh, um, to this more domain-driven uh, approach, um, really having a, a big focus within engineering as well and speaking the language of the customer, um, not just trying to make up a concept for ourselves, but really looking at the, well, the, the problem context that we actually uh, see and, and trying to reuse the same building blocks to make the product as easy as possible to handle for uh, for our customers. Uh, and then, of course, well, the, the, the critical and most recent one, um, going to this full-blown customer journey, um, the the trigger for that uh, on our end was really um, in like essentially like I mean the product team at at, uh, at TechWolf has always been uh, like a, a very broad one because well we we just have a product and engineering team so it's it's quite integrated. Um, we also have a solutions team that works with the customers uh, for implementation for for uh, customized setups etc. Um, and what we found was that we sort of had a, a lot of scope creep um, from the like the, the, the product focus essentially um, towards the workshops, towards everything that really involved the experience. And then what well, we got we got together and we sort of realized that this was the next step for us uh, to not just focus on features, but really having that broader customer journey in mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious. I mean, how, how how does your team structure work between the product and the engineering side? Like, how do you guys like align in terms of uh, you know being on the same wavelength in terms of what needs to be done? Yeah, I would say we're sort of at a at a turning point in uh, in the the operating model of how we build things. Uh, like we uh, we grew from uh, from ten engineers to twenty engineers in the past three months. Uh, so that means that we're still running with the the operating model mostly of. Uh, uh, of a 10 engineer team, uh, even though we, we grew to double that. Um, essentially, the, the way we work is we have, uh, well, four engineering teams uh, with uh, with a separate lead. Uh, so that used to be three uh, before, but now it's four, um, where the engineering lead is also um, well acting as a bit of a, a product owner, I would say. Um, product management as well from the, from the product team. Um, and essentially, um, we have two processes, one focused on the, on the long term, really uh, while building that roadmap getting the high-level blocks together. Um, another one that's on a weekly basis and that's really uh, aligning on priorities uh, every single week, uh, making sure that what we're doing this week and today um, is contributing maximally to, to this roadmap that we have set for ourselves. Uh, and I find that like in very similar vein to uh, um, to what I described earlier, like the getting in that room and really aligning on those priorities, that that's really a good way to, uh, uh, to get velocity. Now, of course, we're taking that step to uh, um, well, to decentralize a lot of the, the product management uh, within a team and uh, like going towards more cross-functional teams as well. Uh, and I think that will really uh, bring some big shifts in how we work together. Okay. And uh, I'd love to ask if you can share, how do you define KPIs for the product or the engineering team? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, as of today, we don't necessarily have a, a North Star metric uh, for the product. Um, of course, we, we track a lot of different metrics along the lines of, well, how do we build the product? Uh, like, what's what's the usage, et cetera. Um, but one thing that, well, we have always wanted but have not yet identified is a single number that will tell us uh, how well we're doing. I mean, like, if... Uh, uh, if you're if you're Tinder, you have like number of matches made or number of swipes that people have done, etc. Um, like if, if you're TechWolf as of today, uh, well, we don't have that single metric. 
Um, it's also because, well, essentially we're a, uh, we're a data product um, and we don't necessarily want to uh, align ourselves with, you know, amount of data exported or number of skills inferred for people because those are outputs and not necessarily outcomes. Um, what we do see is that um, like the, the ways that uh, customers are using our product, um, they're converging more and more over time. Uh, I would say like the the average, uh, like if you pick two, uh, two Tech Wolf customers today compared to the start of the year, uh, you'll find that the similarity of like the exact use cases that they're uh, they're deploying um, is much higher than uh, than before, which of course also connects to uh, to product market fit. Um, so we're getting there. Um, we we have a couple of critical KPIs that we keep track of uh, with all of our customers. Not everything applies to everyone, um, but really having that focus on not just having vanity metrics, but finding well meaningful indicators of the value that you're bringing. Um, that's really where uh, our focus is. And so just curious, I mean, you, you mentioned before um, getting one of the milestones or the achievements was having uh, one of your customers reach out to you and say, hey, you've successfully helped a candidate land a job. Um, I think that's a very interesting one. It's kind of like Tinder, you know, being matched or like you can create a relationship from like a Tinder match. <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, from like a, a North Star metric for your clients. I know you don't have one yet, but... Um, what would that look like for you? You know, if you were to consider one for your client success? Yeah, it's uh, like, again, this, uh, like I would say for me, the metric for the client success and the metric for the product and engineering team, um, it's basically the same, uh, because I feel like as a, mm. as an engineering team and a, and a product team, we should really be optimizing for, uh, well, the success of our customers think like sometimes there can be a little bit of a gap between those two in the sense that uh, well sometimes you want to have uh, an indicator that is not as lagging uh, as uh, um, as really the downstream outcomes and you want to have something that is uh, well a bit more directly uh, influenceable by uh, by the engineering team um, but generally speaking I think just uh, I mean what we do with TechWolf is we create a new type of data for for these companies to use and some companies use this uh, well to match people with jobs others do this to inform their learning strategy then others again do this to really zoom out and plan the capabilities of their entire company um, and the the question will be whether uh, it's even possible at all to have a single north star metric across all of these or whether sort of every category of use uh, gets a single metric um, so that you can have success along different axes but that we can still say well you know, for a customer to be considered generally successful, we expect them to score well on two out of three, for example. Okay, interesting. Um, in terms of uh, your role at, at TechWolf, I, th I believe you have a kind of like a CTO, CPO kind of like hybrid role, right? Um, how did your role evolve, would you say, over the last couple of years? Like, what were you doing before? What are you doing now, especially with like the growth you've been going through? Yeah, I would say there's been quite a dramatic change in the contents of my role over time. Uh, four or five years ago, I was uh, just sitting at my laptop uh, writing code. I was more or less the only developer in uh, uh, in the team. Like my, my two co-founders, they're computer scientists as well, but they quickly decided to go for the commercial side of, uh, um, of, of the company. Um, so I was mostly writing code. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, of course, was joined by some really talented engineers. Um, so then we started writing code together. Um, as of today, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, uh, I can get through the, the quality assurance process with my code anymore uh, because I'm a little bit out of practice on uh, on writing everything myself um, because really the focus 
has shifted to well to people in large part um and it's i would say the most important component of uh, of what i do today uh, whether it's uh, well enabling the people inside the team today or finding the right people to join in the future uh, but really also focusing more on the on the long term um one thing that i really try to be very conscious of is um whether i'm working sort of inside the machine or working to improve the design of the machine um because it's it's often very tricky um with the uh, well, the the customers um, clamoring for attention, or like everyone wanting to go faster and faster, um, like it's very easy to get caught up in inside the process that you've built. Uh, but then again, well, you know the company needs to grow again next year, and you want to uh, be able to deliver the next generation uh, of things. And that's not going to work if you're going to spend one hundred percent of your time uh, just inside this uh, this machine. Yeah, and uh, just out of curiosity, in your role, uh, how much? How much time uh, do you spend, say, on a weekly basis, or what, or or you know, uh, biweekly or monthly, with with the customers, doing any type of uh, workshop or discovery exercise? Uh, now, in your current uh, role, um, I, I would say like a lot of what I do is uh, is directly customer related or prospects related. Uh, of course, since we're a startup, like it's uh, often optimizing by uh, doing multiple time uh, things at the same time. Uh, for example, like I, I go into calls um, where we know that a prospect might be interested in something that we're considering for our roadmap, so I can do discovery there. I, uh, I join in on projects um, to really figure out how like things are going there with customers, whether we have any friction, etc. Um, so I would say sort of between one third and half of my time. Uh, is probably spent in in those situations. Of course, we also have things where we really uh, get like the the very proper uh, well user interview setup, uh, etc. Um, but I would say that often we uh, well we learn by doing uh, quite a, quite often, um, and and that's really like a, a big advantage I would say as long as you really retain a reflex to zoom out as well and uh, realize that you know even if you see something in in a single uh, customer project and there's well there's very high urgency there. That's not necessarily a perfectly perfect reflection of uh, of all of your customers. Fair, fair. Uh, uh, another follow up question to that is: If you only had five hours a week uh, to spend on some activity, what would you spend that five hours on? Well, that's a. In, in what direction should I be thinking for that question? <laughs> Any direction, whether it's, um, you know, connecting with your team, whether it's reviewing, you know, uh, the roadmap, speaking to customers, where would you prioritize those five hours? Yeah, I would say, like, for me, the the only non-negotiable in my week is probably aligning on priorities with uh, with the team, um, because I feel like, I mean, there's the, the leader-leader model uh, for sort of how to manage a team um, that I really, really like. And it essentially says, well, you want to have uh, clarity, control, and competence uh, with your people, which means if you make sure that everyone has the right skills and, and tools to do what they need to do, if everyone knows what's really important to the company and to the team, and they actually well get the responsibility of making their own decisions, um, that that's a really good way to, to go forward. And I think especially when uh, well, you don't have a lot of time to spend on sort of monitoring things, etc. Like these three are just uh, just crucial. Uh, and I think out of those, like clarity is the uh, well the key one that you can provide every single week. Um, because in the end, well, if the team's not doing the the most important thing, um, that's going to have a much higher cost than you uh, while leaving out anything else. 
All right, good answer. All right, my my second last question is uh, everything that you've gone through being a co-founder um, for this company, whether it's business or product, technology decisions, if you were to do it all over again, what would you uh, not do? Or what would you better do? <laughs> um, I think I would probably start um, thinking earlier about sort of how to go to the, the next order of magnitude as a, as a company. Um, when you're caught up in well doing a lot of things and doing a lot of different things, um, it's often very easy to well start stretching yourself. Um, but the thing is, like you can only stretch yourself so far, uh, and maybe that gets you to like twenty percent extra, fifty percent extra, maybe even double. Um, but the thing is, as a as a startup, like you're looking to go uh, well times three, times four, times five year over year. So you know you're not really doing much by stretching yourself to do 50% extra um, and instead really like sometimes sacrificing something in the short term to think about how we can redesign the thing to um, to be able to go 10x over uh, the next couple of years. Uh, I think that's something that we really learned along the way. Like we always had this, this mindset already, uh, but really putting that into practice uh, as soon as you can, like really building a growth model essentially for your company. I think that's something that, that we started doing a little bit too late Sometimes there's a bit of an upside to it as well, because um, by really doing things yourself hands on, you really get to understand where the, the critical points lie. Uh, but still, it's a, it's a tricky balance. No, for sure. Okay, great. Uh, last question. Um, as somebody who's been going through this journey as a co-founder and the CPO, CTO role, what would be your final message you want to give to the audience? I would say the the main thing that I've learned is that to really solve a problem, you have to be somewhat obsessed by it uh, and you have to surround yourself with people that can also find the same passion for the problem. Um, and I think everything else sort of flows from that. Um, so yeah, that would be my final message. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Jay, for coming on the show and uh, giving us this uh, awesome insight. And always thank you to our listeners for tuning in and supporting the show. We are proud.